Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. As I mentioned on the day, for anyone who, who hasn't attended one of our events, our speakers go through a rehearsal with me. They do a whole lot of prep as well, um, so that we try and iron out all of the technical glitches because it's a whole other element. Whereas when they rock up to a conference, it's, you know, we've pretty much managed everything as much as we can. There'll, there'll be slide stuff ups and that's hopefully about it. But um, when you go online, you just open yourself up for a whole other can of worms. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine. And this is the final podcast of the year, I think. Yes, yes, it's definitely the final podcast of the year. Uh, so, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that voice you just heard, of course, is our managing director from the GRCI. Hi, Naomi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? And not too bad. So You're so we, nearly there. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, so um, we are going to talk a bit about what the GRCI did for the first time this year. You know, we, we hosted quite a few virtual events, but most notably our flagship events. So the, the Congress, the conference, and then um, we played a role in the IFCA conference as well, which sort of carried the themes over that we discussed in the other events. It did, and, and that was a first for IFCA. Yeah to even run an international conference. Um, so yeah, doing some firsts in 2020, how unusual. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's get started at the beginning. Um, so the Congress is our first um, all virtual um, major event. So how did that go? And what were some of the key learnings from that? Yeah, I guess, you know, one of, one of the things to hark back with the AML and Financial Crimes Congress that we run every year, it's normally in about March. And of course, um, we had the date set up, we had all the speakers lined up, and then we all went into lockdown. And it was, you know, that fast that we had to contact everybody and say, oh, look, we don't quite know what we're going to do. We hedged our bets. And it was one of those things where we thought, how long could this last? Maybe three months? And we pushed it back to, <laughs> we pushed it back to July. Um, but the part of the reason we ended up going virtual was one, everything went on for much longer than everybody anticipated because it was, you know, so many things were unknown and, and we didn't know how things would work. Um, but two, we had a number of requests from members saying that they still needed to do their CPD for their AML requirements and they still wanted to stay in touch with Austrac and they still wanted to stay in touch about the other issues. And the thing that's really interesting about Australia, I guess, is that there is a real lack of access to training around things like sanctions and getting an international perspective on things like modern slavery. It's new, it's still a really difficult challenge. And then there were different and emerging challenges um, with it in COVID and, you know, there'll yep. be continuing and ongoing ones. So we pulled it back forward into this year for all the people who knew the CPD points um, and all our speakers were hugely helpful in, um, in switching over to a virtual format and dealing with that because as a presenter, I've got to say, it's not, it's not a lot of fun. Um, everyone sort of goes, oh, it's really hard work being a participant. You should try being a presenter. So it, it's hard not having the, you know, having an understanding of how the room's running. So I still have to say a huge thank you to everyone who's ever volunteered for any of our events that we switched over to online. We did immediately, you know, we'd been trying to build up a really big um, pool of webinars that we could have recorded and have as a resource for members anyway. And that had been something we'd been trying to do for a couple of years because ironically, there was, there was an increase in members not being able to make it out for what we normally call our networking events, which always have a speaker. So we yeah. switched a lot of those, been trying to switch them over to webinar. But the good thing 
that we got out of COVID was that everyone realised that you just had to do it and, um, and everyone got very familiar and very comfortable with the medium very, very quickly. So a number of speakers who'd been reticent before were, felt much more comfortable giving it a go. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone was very, very understanding. Everyone's continued to be really understanding of everyone working from home. So that, that conference got to go ahead and we had, you know, really great speakers. And I guess some of the emerging themes from that, it, it was really needed to get a real feel from Austrack about what they were seeing happening out there, because, mm-hmm. um, as we've discussed previously, criminals didn't stop doing what they do during COVID. They just changed their practices and they're probably the most adaptive industry um, (laughs) in the world. Mm. Um, They could run a masterclass on just switching over. Let's switch over commodities. Let's do it a different way. So it was really important for our members to hear from Oztrack and hear from other industry speakers about what they are observing. Um, And, you know, COVID... Um, and the politics that emerged around that, it was really important to get that sanctions piece updated by Gavin Cole. So um, it was a really interesting session. Um, the feedback from it was really positive for the people who were able to attend and able to participate. Um, and, you know, as our first one, it, was, it wasn't as interactive as we would have liked. We did get some really great questions coming through and we tried to make it lively and engaging. But I think we've, we've all learned a lot from that and, you know, we're able to bring that into the conference at the end of the year. I have to say that the big theme that came out of it and the, the speaking topics that got the biggest response from members was around that governance and that intersect with compliance. And funnily enough, that was something that rolled into our conference and into the IFCA conference as well. It's definitely something that re-arose and something that GRCI has a weather eye to that um, with the papers that ASIC didn't get to release on, you know, boards management of non-financial risk, but even the conversations they were having prior and the same ones with APRA, that's a, that's a governance vacuum piece. It's, you know, and, compliance professionals have tackled it from the other side of, well, what do we need to tell them? How can we educate them? How can we support them? How can we have them understand what this actually is? But I think there's also some missing elements in that jigsaw and it's from the governance of those risks Mm -hmm. and the understanding of how that fits in our governance role, you know, really, and especially in the financial crime space, really, really complicated things that no director would be expected to be a subject matter expert across or to even, you know, to, to only have a really vague idea of, they have to take a lot of information on trust there. Whereas some of the other compliance and obligation risks, they might be familiar with it because at one time or another, they worked in a bank or they worked yeah. in a role where they had to, had to execute that. They might not have touched on anything in the financial crime space. So that was a really interesting topic but has some commonalities throughout the rest of the year as well. And I think governance is a theme during COVID, um, you know, balancing strategy, balancing, trying to anticipate the economy and obligations and constant change um, kept on rolling through. Yeah. Excellent. And of course you, you talked about the things, themes crossing over into the conference in IFCA. So let's just jump straight to the conference. The first time we held the conference virtually, I know, um, I know. Like? And, yeah. you know, we had a pretty good attendance because by then we're in November and everyone is tired of doing things online all the time. Um, so, you know, again, appreciation to all our speakers who, who, um, who rolled up for that. And um, as I mentioned on the day, for anyone who, who hasn't attended one of our events, our speakers go through a rehearsal with me. They do a whole lot of prep as well. 
um, so that we try and iron out all of the technical glitches because it's a whole other element. Whereas when they rock up to a conference, it's, you know, we've pretty much managed everything as much as we can. There'll, there'll be slide stuff ups and that's hopefully about it. But um, when you go online, you just open yourself up to a whole other can of worms. But, um, but you know, as we we're saying, we started out the advertising conference with the theme of, you know, the GRC as an asset. And interestingly, um, there were some shifts in the program by the time we got to November because compliance professionals have managed to demonstrate their value continually. They had yeah. been engaged um, in an advisory role. Yeah. Um, prior to that. So it was really heartening to see that for our members. So we didn't feel that we needed to harp on about how do you demonstrate your value? How do you get into that right. advisory role? Because our members had done it and we were hoping that they can use the momentum of it to keep moving on. So we kind of went back to some fundamentals that I was, was also hearing um, were distorted prior to COVID but had even more distortion. So we went back and revisited, for instance, the three lines of um, defence slash responsibility slash accountability model. And, you know, what it was originally intended to be, how it's value and how you have to maintain it, basically. So that, that for me, then raised other governance issues. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that the three lines of defence model is working? Yeah. Um, you know, is it second lines? Is it third lines? Or is it, you know, it's meant to be everybody's. It's got to be a relationship, but you do find that it's compliance that's working in those spaces that's that's making sure that works. And um, and we had some really great sessions on both days. You know, the regulators were extraordinarily generous with their insights about COVID and, and their future planning because they had moved on to dealing with crisis and then going into future planning with whatever they intel they can get. Um, and so that was that was extremely valuable on day one. And day two, we got to really get into the nitty gritty of those thought leadership pieces um, around the skills that that um, that compliance professionals, especially at a senior level, need to really develop. Privacy was still a big topic, um, and we managed to have some really great sessions on that with with the OIRC as well as um, our guest speaker on that. But but for me, I guess my takeaway was a lot of our members had made the jump up into an advisory role. They were being consulted about all kinds of things. There was some recognition that the the people who have the skill set to put together and maintain and report on a compliance framework that connects all kinds of things in the business that no other framework connects. You know, marketing works on um, a project and then launches it. Sales work on selling X, Y, Z. You can divide all those things up. They don't have to, they don't have to be in part of the whole circulatory system, whereas yeah. compliance does. And you can't silo even your different sections of compliance. There has to be a chief compliance officer for the organisation. Someone needs to be making sure the flows go through. Um, and so we saw a lot of a lot of discussions or heard about a lot of discussions happening in organisations where the organisation recognised that the compliance people have probably got a really good handle on how to try and develop policies, procedures, training, um, and looking at it for things that don't necessarily have an obligations focus. They yeah. recognise that skill set. So that was really, really good to see. That was a very positive thing. But the lesson learned, I think, is that what it also highlighted is there are obvious gaps in the governance framework then. There's no one else other than compliance making sure those flows happen. And, you know, it, 
it, you can't you can't have you it both ways for an organization they can't you know one day turn around and go oh you're just obligations you're just you know regulations you just have to look after that bit yeah. but then have no one making sure that all the other bits are connected you know it's, it is that whole voluntary mandatory um internal policies and procedures that compliance people look after and and i think that finally was acknowledged um which you know sort of goes into the ifca conference as well because we took we took that um the theme of our day so the overall theme for the ifca session which was a five-day conference was 2030 and what compliance professionals would look like then and what what the compliance function might look like then and we picked to run day four which was meant to be about business sustainability in the sense that sense of how the compliance framework and compliance professionals build long-term businesses help you have business structures that you need to have in place and mm. so we we sort of threw in our topic list and, and had our speakers um, but the great benefit of that that um, that conference was also that all the other associations in the Federation of Compliance Association, so all 12 of them, got to nominate speakers who they thought could speak on that topic. So we had some really interesting input um, and different angles on something, um, you know, in the discussion. So some of them were, you know, some of them, their organisations or their profession, not to be judgmental, they're, they're kind of at the beginning of their journey. Yeah. Um, compliance as a profession hasn't been established for as long in their particular country because the regulatory frameworks haven't been established in the same way um, for as long as they have in Australia and the UK and the US. Um, so yeah, they were, they were really interesting discussions. But again, something that came out of that was this idea of, you know, who's looking after, who's really looking after conduct risk, compliance is looking after it, but, but who's, who's doing this governance piece? Um, but yeah, yeah, so there were three really great key events and we'll be participating in the IFCA conference again next year. We've got our AML Congress set for next year and our conference set for next year and we'll just see how we can deliver them, whether it's in person, online or both. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to actually seeing some people as opposed to <laughs> seeing them in nice. boxes. Yeah, It'll be very nice to see the members again. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Naomi. And we'll speak again next year. <laughs> we will. Happy uh, Christmas, holidays, New Year's to everybody. And stay safe. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute. And the music was produced by Rob Neary. <laughs>